At just 23 years old, a single mum called Lauren Noel Hill released an album that would make an impact lasting decades. Heartbreaking and uplifting stories thread throughout the miseducation of Lauren Hill. The songs are as powerful today as they were when the album was first released in August 1988. Recorded at the studios of Bob Marley and the Marley family, Tough Gong Studios in Kingston, Jamaica, Lauren Hill worked with several musicians to write and produce the tracks that would become the miseducation of Lauren Hill. The album that would come from those six months spent in the Marley studio would become one of the greatest records, not only in hip hop, but music that the world has ever heard. It entered the top spot on the Billboard chart, selling just under half a million in its first week and won a historic five Grammys in 1999. With Lauren Hill's headline performance coming up at Love Supreme Jazz Festival in the UK on the 7th of July, we're presenting an unofficial tribute, exploring the impact that this seminal album has had with the help of people around the world from New York to New Zealand including Steam Downs Neymar, Andrea Triana, Mayeli Manzanza, journalist Cuba Shand Baptiste, and historian Chelsea Adewum. How did the miseducation of Lauren Hill stand out from other albums at the time of its release? How can we understand the album's ability to empower listeners? And why, after more than 20 years, is the miseducation of Lauren Hill timeless? My name is Cuba Shan Baptiste. I'm a journalist and commissioning editor at uh, The Independent in London, and I'm a massive fan of the miseducation of Lauren Hill, as well as Lauren Hill in general, obviously. <laughs> when I think about the miseducation of Lauren Hill, I think immediately of, I'm sort of thrown back to my childhood, um, which might sound a bit crazy to a lot of people <laughs> who were full grown adults when this album came out, but it really was just a really formative part of my of my appreciation of music, I think. I remember having these uh, these weekends and, and drives around town where I'd sort of be forced to listen to um, the music that my parents were really enjoying at the moment. And one of those albums at the time, I remember, was The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And through them incessantly playing it and blasting it, I fell in love with it and it became something that really defined um, the sort of music I liked I like to this day. What's really significant about this album is the fact that it's it's expertly crafted and produced and, and the sounds are all beautifully layered and it's amazing. Um, but it doesn't sound clinically polished. It sounds raw, it sounds real, it's emotive. It m takes you to a place that I think that a lot of albums don't. <laughs> they give you maybe a song that sounds good and that makes you dance or a song that reminds you of someone that you once vaguely loved or whatever. But this really just delves into the, the all the ugliness of, of real emotions, of, of heartbreak, of, of pouring your love into a child, that sort of thing. It's just such an amazing um, expression of what it is to be human and what it was for Lauren Hill to be human at that time. An amazing expression of what it is to be human. For many fans, Lauren Hill has also been a beacon of what it is to be a woman. Hip-hop in the 90s was dominated by men. But here, having left the Fugees, was a woman, a single mother, going solo. 
Here's a black female artist who emerges at the intersections. She's a woman, but she's also an MC during an era in which hip hop was dominated by men. Chelsea Adewunmi from Princeton University believes that the miseducation of Lauren Hill is and was at the time a big record for female empowerment. My name is Chelsea Adewunmi. I'm a doctoral candidate at Princeton University and a historian of culture, music, literature, and art. The miseducation of Lauren Hill empowered women to reassess and reassert their own value, particularly in the context of romantic relationships, motherhood, spirituality, and self-exploration, to the point that miseducation not only becomes a word for exploring forms of knowledge that exist outside of institutions like schools, but also becomes a code word for valuing the wisdom that comes from women's experiences, miss, M-I-S-S, education. We hear this in songs like To Zion, which elevates the idea of motherhood and Everything is Everything, where she reminds us of the importance of women's leadership in the quest for civil rights and black power, shouting out Betty Shabazz, on I Used to Love Him, the duet between Miss Lauren Hill and Mary J. Blige, which models sisterhood through an affirmational call and response, and even on love songs like X Factor, so that when we hear her pleading, tell me what I have to be to gain some reciprocity, it's understood in the context of an album that refuses to separate the personal from the political. An album that refuses to separate the personal and the political. Motherhood, pregnancy, relationships, these are things that could be seen as deeply personal. But in fact, societal pressures and conditions add parameters and friction to these things. Should we get married for tax breaks? Should I try another contraception if this one makes me feel depressed? Should I keep the baby? I am Andrea Triana and I'm a singer and a songwriter and an overall creative. Andrea Triana has recorded tracks with Flying Lotus and Bonobo and her single Woman, about finding strength as a woman when anxiety hits, is out now. The themes of female empowerment in the miseducation of Lauren Hill really influenced me at a very young age and a very pivotal age. Um, I was at college. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. Um, I had quite a turbulent uh, home life at the time. And I got this, this gift, this CD as a present um, and put it on at home and cried from start to finish. It was the first piece of music that really, really touched me. It was like she kind of understood. The track that moves me the most from the Miseducation album, and it's not something I guess I can relate to, but to Zion, I think that was really, really deep. The way that she talks so honestly about pursuing this career as a singer and becoming pregnant, and you know, and me thinking about becoming a mother myself, and how everyone around her was saying, "No, you shouldn't put your career first. Um, you know, that's so raw. That's such a deep thing to kind of delve into. Hey, my name is Naima Adams, and I'm a singer based in London. You might know me from a collective slash night called Steam Down, which I'm a part of and help manage. The influences and the combination of styles you can hear throughout Lauren Hill's work are really representative of the music that she was influenced by. You know, that was coming up at the time, that had just come in during the 60s and the 70s, reggae, Motown, and all that. 
and it's so cool to have such an equal mix of those influences within the body of work. She's also able to bring through and combine these different styles that were three of the most powerful musical ideas in all of blackness, hip-hop, Motown era soul, and reggae. It's crazy how she's able to carefully craft each of these songs and each track have its own sound and its own story to tell. When we explore the inspiration that Lauren Hill has had on the music of other musicians, it's easy to see that her impact isn't limited to vocalists. There's a song on there, one of the opening tracks, Lost Ones, I think probably to this day is still one of my favourite all-time flows. Mayeli Manzanza is a drummer based in New Zealand. Hey, my name's Mayeli Manzanza. I'm a drummer, composer and producer from Wellington. First time I would have listened to the Miseducation of Lauren Hill it must have been when I was in high school, so this would have been around like the early 2000s, and I remember, I mean, it was one of those records that it kind of marked who you were in a social sense um, as a teenager, so if you knew about this album and you knew about Lauren Hill and you knew about the Fugees, it kind of marked you as... I guess one of the cool kids or having a sense of taste because Lauren Hill was like a big artist, but it wasn't like Britney Spears or um, sync level kind of mainstream big. So you kind of had to have dug a little deeper to have gotten into Lauren Hill and gotten into this record. So if you knew about it, then that sort of was one of the signifiers of having a little bit of taste at school, which was um, a cool thing. Um, I remember in my music class we a group of us who we had a little bit of a band together we tried to play the song doo-wop that thing um and it had just this real kind of infectious groove to it and fairly like it was an easy enough kind of song for kids to start trying to figure out and sink their teeth into later on when i had actually sort of paid a bit more attention to the album I was getting a little bit more hip to the subject matter of it. So you have this uh, this narrative of that that um, high school classroom dialogue that's happening between the teacher and the students about what love is and their responses to love and the kids being a little bit bashful about it at the beginning but then starting to open up about it a little bit more. And um, the way that that was placed together throughout the album, I think really helped with the narrative flow and the structure of that whole body of work and it made it come together in this really beautiful way. Um, I think it's probably fair to say it's one of the greatest albums of all time in regards to holding a cohesive narrative focus through the whole thing. Um, and then of course, when you uh, top that up with uh, Lauren's incredible vocal talent, uh, the musicianship that was on that album and the way it was all kind of produced and put together. And it's, um, it's easy to see now that it's, um, an undeniable classic and you know it's easy to see how it would have such an effect on the culture and have such an effect on so many people who have um, resonated with those songs with reference to 
my own creative journey as a musician or as a drummer, um, I think Miseducation of Lauren Hill is um, was fairly pioneering for me um, in a f- couple of ways. Um, firstly, it was I was starting to listen to this album at the same time that I was sort of first starting to listen to hip hop. So it was part of this um, discovery of the hip hop kind of groove and how um, a rapper's flow could kind of sit within a beat and the the power that that had, like how an MC worked together with a drum pattern and the sort of magical space between it. Um, There's a song on there, one of the opening tracks, Lost Ones, I think, probably to this day is still one of my favorite all-time flows like the way that the drums kind of are a little bit off kilter with the snare drum going that's like having that second snare drum being not on beat two or beat four kind of creates this um other kind of flow to it which you don't really hear that much and then the way that uh lauren's uh mc kind of sits on there is like um you know creates this really interesting tension which is um you know, super funky and super good to listen to and still holds up to this day, I reckon. Earlier on in the podcast, we heard from historian of culture, music, literature and art, Chelsea Adewunmi, who explained that Ms. Lauren Hill's album was impactful for women and female identity. But that's not all. The miseducation of Lauren Hill had a positive impact on African-American culture for many reasons. But one of the most important is that she represented an African-American experience with an authenticity that was not reductive. Here's a black female artist who emerges at the intersections. She's a woman, but she's also an MC during an era in which hip hop was dominated by men. And not only that, she's an MC with lyrical dexterity and this incredible singing voice. She's a mother and a working artist. She's an intellectual whose mother was a teacher, and yet she values and upholds those life lessons gained outside of an institutional context. So by telling her story, she really disrupted the dichotomies in which we are often placed. And in doing so, showed the fullness of her humanity, created new sounds and new ideas which after all is what the work of an artist is supposed to do. But I wouldn't limit the impact of her work to African-American culture exclusively because this album really spoke to many people across cultural identities. And it spoke to people because it was so deeply personal that it got at essential truths about life that we all share. So part of this album's power is that we receive a deeply universal experience through the eyes and ears and voice of a black American woman. They say never meet your idols, but for Andrea Triana, it was an experience she'll always remember for the right reasons. Yeah, I got to meet her and I got to thank her for this incredible album. You know, just the way that it's always reassured me that everything's going to be okay and that, you know, it's it's normal, these things that you feel and this confusion that you feel, whether it be love or, you know, your career or creatively, that there's somewhere that's kind of walked those footsteps before you and that it's, it's all going to be all right. So, yeah, I met her after the show and she just had the most... She was beautiful. So I just can't forget how beautiful she was and she was really warm 
Um, and I just got to hug her and shake her hand and just say thank you so, so, so much. And I bought my battered CD, Miss Education, with me and asked her to sign it. So it's there. It's like my most treasured possession. Um, yeah, and that was a huge thing for me to be able to kind of thank this person that had changed my life creatively. Lauren Hill and the musicians on the record have created some anthems. When we think about the miseducation of Lauren Hill, we can recount catchy and meaningful hooks from several songs. We can sing along to them, learn about ourselves from them, or bond with others over them. For Naima Adams of London Collective Steam Down, there's a song that comes to mind which brings her some amazing memories of touring with Sanford the Great. And do you know what? Here's a really good time to quickly mention that Steam Down and Sanford the Great are also going to be a Love Supreme Festival this year. Okay, back to Naima and Lauren Hill. This summer, I was touring with Sampa the Great as her backing vocalist, and one of the songs she would always play during her sets was Doo-Wop. You know, we'd always leave it towards the end of the set, making sure to give the audience that last high. And it was such a vibe to see everyone at festivals and different shows just getting down. They all knew the lyrics, they were on it, and this is ranging from young people to those of an older age, you know, male, female, it was for everyone. And something they could all totally relate to and totally get down with the message. You know, Sampa regards uh, Lauren as a queen and she very much sees her as one of the greats, someone to take inspiration from. So this performance was kind of a tribute to her and her work and all that she's achieved, really. Kuba Shand Baptiste from The Independent tells us why she thinks that Lauren Hill's voice is next level. It's one of the best vocal performances we've had um, in decades, really, on an album. It's Her voice was just... I mean, it, it couldn't be compared to anything else. There's, uh, there's this quality of, um, of singing <laughs> that I really enjoy. When it, and it almost sounds like someone's crying as they're singing, when it sounds almost as if they're wailing, the hurt that you can feel and the, the emotion and, and the history that you can hear in their voice and the richness of their voice, I think really adds to a song. And I think Lauren Hill is one of those singers who has that quality. X Factor, along with so many other songs from the miseducation of Lauren Hill album, has a message that is universal. It's about heartbreak, doing anything to make a relationship work when time is clearly up. Something else that is universal in music is the power of protest. Chelsea Adewumni believes that the album has inspired several contemporary musicians, and one in particular when it comes to using music as a tool for protest. Many of today's artists were brought up on the wisdom of this album. We can hear her influence literally in Drake and Cardi B's samples of X Factor, but also hear her influence in the work of artists like John Legend, who actually played piano on the track Everything is Everything. And this is interesting because this is the track that references the dream of Martin Luther King, the philosophy of Betty Shabazz, and the civil rights movement. So I don't think it's a coincidence that John Legend later writes the Oscar and Grammy Award winning song about Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement glory after gaining his foundation with Ms. Lauren Hill. John Legend is an artist who in many ways has carried forward the torch of the protest singer or at the very least has been part of the repopularization of the protest song for today's issues. And there are many ways in which the issues America was grappling with 20 years ago are the same issues we are grappling with today 
particularly when it comes to women's rights and the rights of people of color. 1997 was the first Million Women March, which focused on issues affecting African-American women. Then exactly 20 years later, we had the first Women's March on Washington. So we can hear songs like To Zion in the context of these protests and today's movements like Black Mamas Matter. In many ways, Ms. Lauren Hill pushed forward conversations of women's rights and the rights of people of color into the popular sphere through her music. So it's for all of these reasons that this album not only continues to be relevant, but deserves to be called a classic. With the album's 20th anniversary of release last summer, there were events around the world marking its birthday. Cooper tells us how she marked it. Um, I went to a rap party, which was basically like a poetry night where people wrote these songs. It's uh, hosted by Inua Ellens. Um, and they wrote these poems, sorry, in response to each of the songs. So they'd, uh, someone would come out, read a poem, and then they played the track afterwards and then the whole audience would sing along and it was just fantastic. And I think when it comes to like events like that and the fact that there are so many things commemorating the, the legacy of this album and this body of work, I think speaks to the fact that it's just so brilliant. Um, and I can't believe it's been that long, it's wild. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill is a timeless record. Just before writing the album, Lauren left the Fugees, one of the biggest hip-hop acts of all time, experienced a severe case of writer's block, and was preparing for the arrival of her first child. Yet, the album went on to be one of the most respected of all time, influencing artists and moving fans across the world. Everything in the production is serving a purpose in in that music and it's serving the purpose of like Lauren's songs and her vocals but it also gives you enough to sort of sit with it and kind of explore it and I've been listening to it more now since having this the podcast request and just sort of rediscovering the album again it's like man it's just like so much care and effort went into the whole thing and um, so that's a really um, inspirational take for me and Whilst I've never taken up being like a real lyricist in anything, any meaningful way, I guess songs like X Factor, for example, has got to be one of the most potent songs about heartbreak and relationship difficulties that I've ever heard, at least. Like, you know, when you, I'm not, I'm not going to try to sing it or repeat it to you, but when you sit and listen to the way that she unfolds the story and um, it's like things which... I'm guessing are really personal to her, but they're so universal as well. And I guess that's one of the classic things that you look for in a great song is like this personal but universal kind of take on um, on life. And uh, Miss Education of Lauren Hill is, you know, one of the all-time greats when it comes to this uh, take on the life and the world around her. So Lauren Hill, salute. It's simple and it's honest that's it you know emotions never change people change people grow but love is essentially still the same thing pain is essentially still the same thing and she just spoke about these honest human emotions in a way that was really relatable so it's gonna be still a classic in you know 50 years 100 years a million years it's just that's why it stands the test of time 
Ms. Lauren Hill headlines Love Supreme Jazz Festival this summer, paying homage to her remarkable record. Alongside her is a lineup that includes Sampa the Great, Steam Down, the Cinematic Orchestra, and so many more. And Supreme Standards will also be taking over the Blue and Green Bar with two DJs on Saturday night, Auntie Flo and Tash LC. Head to lovesupremefestival.com for tickets and check out supremestandards.com for more podcasts, articles and mixes. Our next live show in London is going to be at Five Miles with an amazing sound system. It's in Seven Sisters, just off the Victoria line. And we're going to have the incredible Shun Waves that features members of Portico Quartet, as well as an AV visual show from producer Kayla Painter. That's going to be on May 29th. Big ups to you for listening. If you've enjoyed the show and you've gotten this far, then please leave us a little comment, rate the show, subscribe, and share it with your friends as well. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.